If this is your first time ever with us at a first Wednesday night gathering, let me explain the purpose of this. This is just our desire just to go a little deeper, to have some extended time of worship. And thank you so much to those leading us in worship tonight, to participate in communion together, and then also to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And I am so delighted and honored tonight and uh, to, to introduce our speaker, although he is a man that needs no introduction. I'm going to give him one anyway because he deserves it. So hold your applause for just a moment. Bishop Alan Matura has pastored the South Metro Ministries for 33 years. I said, hold your applause. I've got a lot to say, and then we can go crazy. For 33 years, he and Dr. Valerie Matura have been the epitome of faithfulness, of character, and integrity. I think it all started when he was 12 years old and his family relocated from the Caribbean, the island of Trinidad, and they made their way to the United States of America. And that same year, wearing a light blue suit, he met a beautiful blonde-haired girl named Valerie. Little did they know that 50 years later, they would not only be married with two beautiful daughters, but four incredible grandchildren and one son-in-law that needs prayer, and then another son-in-law that's just amazing. God's so faithful, isn't he? Every person in this room, by some way, shape, or form, your life has been directly or indirectly, but mostly directly impacted because of this man's life and their living legacy. Everything that I know about being a husband, a father, and a pastor, I have learned by observation, watching up close, watching from a distance. There has never in the 16 years that I've been a part of this family, there has never been one time that I had a question that he did not have the right answer to. A man of wisdom, a man of patience, and a godly man, a praying man. We are standing on the shoulders because of the faithfulness of this family and this couple. And every success that we ever get to experience together is because of them and because of the favor of God that is upon them and then because of the prayer of a double portion of anointing that they've prayed on their children and their children's children. One of the commitments that I made as your new pastor or your spiritual tour guide, that as long as I'm alive until Jesus comes back, I make it a commitment to honor the Matura family. So tonight, it is the greatest honor of my life to invite my pastor, Bishop Alan Matura, to preach the gospel of Jesus. Can you stand? Come on. And bless the man of God. Come on, South Metro. Let them know you love them. Come on. Yeah. Come on. If you love him, let him know. Have fun, man. Amen. Amen. Please, please remain standing for a moment of prayer. Well, what do you do to follow that? Well, one would think that I wrote that. I appreciate that, Pastor JC, and I know you mean it. And uh, I don't have to have it. I'm encouraged by it, but don't have to have it. Uh, before we pray and uh, go further, what an excellent attendance tonight, Pastor. 
with a new idea for the midweek and not just an idea but a spirit led wow you've already been fed here tonight the anointing the music the singing I was standing there you're singing and the others and I'm thinking man why have I got so weepy uh, Pastor Jeff, I stood there with a Kleenex thought, God, don't let me go up there so weepy. <laughs> Weeping is okay. So I, I, uh, I'm not doing this, you give me one, I give you one kind of thing for Pastor JC or Kim. But I believe this, this my opinion and that of my wife, uh, because of the transition, would carry a lot of weight in light of what has taken place here, next month will be a year. And so along the way, you might have thought, maybe you haven't thought about it. Now, what does Pastor Allen think about that? What does, what does Miss Valerie think about that? And I couldn't be any more pleased to have succeeded us than Pastor J.C. and Kimberly. Couldn't be any more pleased. Yeah, that, that's good. And I, I'm, this is a heavy load. Somebody say amen. Go church and this church and all the other stuff. I'm just praying that, you know, God will give them strength and wisdom and help. And uh, if, if they wear out, we'll keep the grandkids and they can do what they want. Here's the image the Holy Ghost gave me for you to see me tonight as. I want you to see this image and somewhere in the course of this lesson it'll come to you. I want you to imagine that it's been a recent rainstorm. I want you to imagine that there's a two-lane highway that goes across a bridge, a long bridge, maybe with the steel beams. I want you to imagine that the waters come so high and so rapid until it's washed away both sides of the asphalt of the bridge and washed away the bridge. Still with me? And I want you to imagine that there's a man before one gets to where the bridge ends and glows into the rapid waters. There's a man there with two flags. He's doing this. You ever seen NASCAR racing? Is that the right image? Checkered flag or whatever. These are yellow or red neon flags and he's waving them as if something's wrong and it's dark. And somewhere in the course of this word tonight, you'll see those flags and you'll see why. Stretch your hands in my direction. Let's pray together. Pray for me, would you? There's a sweet spirit here, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for this wonderful attendance and the reception of this congregation and Pastor J.C.'s kindness. Lord, these people didn't come home after work and eat whatever supper they did. Maybe didn't eat, get dressed, get in their car and come here just to kill time. They came here, God, because of your divine appointment, because of your prodding and your, your love for them and for us. So, God, I pray today, tonight, 
that you'd roll back the flood waters and you'd rebuild the bridges and you'd get us closer to you than we've ever been in our lives. We claim that and we, we bless each other, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. And you may be seated. Amen. The title of tonight's word is on the screen. No ordinary time, and I'll tell you why I came across this inspiration. Some while back, my wife was in one of these estate yard sales, and she was browsing around and came, evidently the husband and wife team had passed away, and the children, adult children, were getting rid of or selling the items that were no longer of value to them. So Valerie purchased a book, a rather large volume, whose title was No Ordinary Time. The book was about the presidency of Franklin Roosevelt and his wife, Eleanor Roosevelt. It's a very interesting book, very historical and very practical. Franklin Eleanor and Eleanor Roosevelt came to the White House in 1933. They departed the White House after he died unexpectedly in 1945. Every bit of his presidency, 12 years of it, can be described as no ordinary time. First of all, he was a president crippled by polio who had to have the assistance of others to get him from place to place. No ordinary time. After coming to the presidency, and not before long he came to it, uh, the country had just come out of World War I and the Depression, the late 20s and early 30s. Those were not any ordinary times. The economy during his presidency was one that was uh, not thriving, joblessness was high, and situations in business were very unstable, no ordinary time. At the same time, Hitler was making his sweep across Europe in order to bring all of Europe under Germany's dominion or domination. No ordinary time. This is the presidency of Franklin Roosevelt and the condition of the world. At the same time, the Jews were being incarcerated, gassed by the thousands, and eventually by the millions. No ordinary times. Segregation and racism in America was still very pronounced, even though it had been dealt some serious attention. In America, foreign policy could be labeled as isolationism. That means that what the other world nations do, America vowed to itself that we are not going to get involved in a war. We're not going to sell arms. We're not going to do anything else. We've had enough war and violence, and we are not going to be involved. And on the heels of that policy, 
Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan. And there was no choice. America didn't have a choice. No ordinary time. You forward, if you will, 74 years later to 2019, to today. And this is no ordinary time in America. There are three thoughts that come under that caption. And the first is this. How do I know that these are not any ordinary times? Number one is because of the corruption in our land. Corruption at all kinds of levels in America. Political, business, sports, church, etc. Corruption. These are no ordinary times because of carnality in America. Carnal lifestyles, carnal entertainment, carnal social media, carnal marriages, perversion on every level. And what we used to abhor as a nation gets clapped and applauded in this time. These are no ordinary times. The Bible says that man with man for sexual intimacy is a perversion. That woman with woman for sexual intimacy is a perversion. The Bible speaks about being transgender in one's agenda is a perversion. I didn't come here to get claps. I just came here to tell you something's wrong. There's a flag man at the bridge going out and the water is flowing and somebody has got to tell us to stop. Confusion. Confusion. And I've heard Pastor J.C. say this, and I'm going to join behind, and we're not trying to be political. But friends, you've got to have your head in a duffel bag not to see the confusion there is among Democrats and Republicans, uh, among the Tea Party and the Tupperware Party. Confusion. Look at this in, please, in Isaiah Chapter 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's America today. I'm not saying not all of us are that way, but we are rapidly being swept up because everybody else is doing it. The way our culture tries to bring its junk on us is to bring it through TV and movies and sitcom so we laugh at things we ought to be crying at. No ordinary times. Look at America. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. These would be called perilous times and perilous men. Follow me. But know this, that in the last days... Perilous times will come. Are they here? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Are we there? You already know that parents are more afraid of their kids than kids are their parents. Something's going wrong. (laughs) A preacher gets in all kind of mess when he leaves his notes. But I'm going to leave mine for just a moment. When your child puts up a no entrance sign in their door to their bedroom, something's wrong with you. 
These are no normal times. When your child can say, I'm going out and don't tell you a time they're coming in and could care less what you think about it, these are not ordinary times. Disobedient to, listen if you will, unthankful, unholy, unloving. These are the times. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good. Look at this, if you will. This struck me, Proverbs 30, verses 11 through 13. This is our time. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it's not washed from its filthiness. There's a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. And one of the translations says about that, verse 13, don't be stuck up and think you're better than everybody else. A generation. Well, I could spend a lot of time talking about a generation and, and the times we're in, but I'd I like to tell you what we need to do about these times. I'd like to tell you uh, how we can make it through these times. Point number one, if you will. Stay the course. You can say an amen right there. Stay the course. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. The scripture says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is what? It's broad. And its gates, or gate is wide for the many who choose that way. Look at this, if you will. Stay the course. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter days, here, here are those who don't stay the course, some will depart from the faith. Has that happened? They'll depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It amazes me how in the Christian circle, Christians give in to so much nonsense under the guise of a new thing. Let me hear now. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's got a large following doesn't mean it's God. Matter of fact, it's God most of the time when a few is following and many don't want to receive it. God's not trying to build a big church. He's just trying to build a holy church. God's not trying to put all of our pictures in the latest biblical news. He's just trying to help us get from here to heaven. And we do that because we stay the course. Now, I sent Dan an email today. Where are you, Dan? Yes, there is Dan. Dan did not respond to my email. It was rather urgent for the sermon tonight. And had Dan responded, I would have had my facts, then guesswork. You see, Dan is a captain for Spirit Air, and he flies for them. And I emailed Dan and said, Dan, <laughs> being that you are 
a captain. Does an airplane and a pilot have to make changes in its course while flying from Atlanta to London? I don't know. I wish I could make that point. But what are friends for? He'll probably tell me after church, but just let it be over. So I am going to risk it and say that there are wind variables that probably affect it. Although 90% of the flying of an airplane, I'm told, can be done by autopilot. What do you all do after that? You go to a movie? (laughs) You play checkers. Read. And and I'm being lighthearted, but I think you're getting the point. Because of the wind, because of the jet stream, the weather, you just don't take off, in other words, and get where you're going by just holding it. I'm told that ships have to make uh, course corrections, leaving New York port, maybe going to somewhere in Africa. And the waters can be more rough than anticipated. The currents can be more rough than anticipated. The winds can be more rough than anticipated. And so they have to make corrections. And I want to tell you this. We are down here on earth, but we got a destination called heaven. And I've set my course the day I got saved. How many of you have set your course? Yes, but there's a devil and there's a liar and there are false winds of doctrine. But if you follow the flag, if you follow the path and you stop when he says stop and you turn when he says turn and you say be still when he does, you'll find out you won't be lost ever, ever. Chris, give me a little monitor here. Let's do something else. Uh, here's, a, here's a second thought of this business of no ordinary time. Here's what you need to know. Don't compromise. Don't change your convictions of the word. And don't change the Bible to make it mean what you want it to mean. Amen. In these no ordinary times, Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all what? And what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Once you've heard the truth, if you didn't receive it, you're responsible for it. Even if you receive it, obviously. You might have heard the truth in Sunday school and you're now 30 years old. You still heard the truth. You might have heard the truth last Sunday when the word of God was brought here in this house and you kind of tucked it in wherever you hide stuff, but you're responsible for it. Uh, If your grandma told you the way of God and prayed you to Sunday school or your mom and dad prayed over you, I don't care whether you were five then and now you're 25, you're still responsible for righteousness and godliness. You can't take the word of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost and stick it in your coat pocket and forget it. And I say that to you that, that let, me, let me give you another verse, please. Romans 1.25. This is what happens with compromise and convictions and change that are not according to God's will. There are those who exchange the truth of God for the lie 
and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Satan's job is to camouflage his relationship would be with you. Satan's job is to camouflage his appeal to you. Satan's job is to be a wolf in sheep clothing. It's kind of like some of you people you all dated. I ain't been going so long, Pastor, that I can't crack the whip. Coming to the pastor about help me about Jim or John or Sally or Sue that I'm dating. No, you, go, you, you did your mess. You'll clean it up. Just a little thought. See what happens when you leave the anointing and you. You know, you know what's going to get you through here? Don't you date no boy or girl or man or woman that will compromise the word of God, the conviction of God, and, and the truth. Let, let, let me. So many couples I have counseled individually or together, and one is not a, a faith person, they don't believe, and this one is believed, and usually the woman, and forgive me ladies if this rubs you the wrong way, I don't intend to target you, I don't even know your name. The, 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 the whole bottom line is, he is Mr. Don Juan. I mean, his hair looks like it was combed with a weed eater. His pants, pants, Goes all the way to his seat of understanding. Somebody needs to buy him a belt. And I better stop right now because if I go any further, that person's sitting here. And this gal, his mama couldn't do a thing with him. His grandmama couldn't do a thing with him. Here you are with your sweet little blonde hair, blue eyes, and you got your little purse, and you're thinking, when we marry, I'm going to fix him. <laughs> oh, I got a word for that. It ain't tongues, so I better not say that. <laughs> I'm telling you, you are compromising. What righteousness or what yoke or what blessing is there when you're unevenly yoked? That, when you marry somebody, you date somebody, you go out with somebody, whatever, and you, you have a friendship with somebody who is not born again, they're either influencing you the way they're living or you're influencing the way to heaven. Somebody say amen. 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 And let me say this to you, and I, I need to hurry here, but let me say this, that, you know, be careful what Bible you read from, okay? Be, be careful what television preacher you listen to, all right? Be careful what evangelism magazine you, you amen, can I get that you listen to, okay? Be, be careful about new fads that you follow. What you need to do and I need to do before I embrace it is hit my knees, close my eyes, and say, God, don't let me compromise. Don't let me change my conviction. You brought me this far, and you'll take me the rest of the way. Give him a hand clap. We need a few more people in the kingdom of God who is 100% sold out to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, and the Word of God. Uh, Pastor, you're going to have a good cause to preach Sunday morning because you've got to come and clean up all this stuff. By the way, I tell you, I'll be out of town. Oh. Uh, 
Now you see, and I'm not trying to be mean. Sometimes I couch it in a little bit of humor. Some of us got more contacts on our phone, and Jesus ain't anywhere on there. The Holy Ghost ain't anywhere on there. I don't mind you doing this and other. Oh, God. I am saying that to tell you that there's a flag man where a bridge it's washed out. It's still raining. And the road is it's, it's breaking into the water. And once you get in that water, there's no hope. That's how the devil plays. Please let me move on. I've got a thought more there, but let me move on to this. Here's, here's the third thing I'd like you to do. Answer the call. In these not so ordinary times, there's still a voice. It may not be the loudest voice, but it's the voice of the Holy Ghost. And he's calling us to righteousness and to holiness and to purity and to, and to all those virtues that make us more like Jesus. I remember in reading this account, and I'll try to be not too lengthy on this parable of the great supper found in Luke 14. It won't be on the screen and that's deliberate. The Bible says a certain man was giving a great supper and invited many people. The call. The call is an invitation. Can I get an amen? Having prepared the, the meal, the, the, the supper, he had his servant and others who would assist to go to all those who had been given an invitation prior to the supper and his servants were to tell the invitees to come for all things are now ready. But when the servants went to bid those who were invited previously, they discovered that every one of them began to make excuses. The first said to him, Response to a servant's invitation on behalf of the master. The first said to the servant, I have brought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I beg that you have me excused. Another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I have beg you, please have me excused. And still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. I have more to say about that. So, so the servant came and reported these things to the master. And then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the, the servant returned and said, Master, we have done that and there's still room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. Now, these three excuses, uh, they must have thought that the master giving the invitation was a blittering idiot. I mean, who buys land without seeing it? Unless their realtor is Mark Spain. Don't tell him I said that. I mean, he's selling the house without you going in it. Anybody heard the commercial? 
Chris, you need to edit that. <laughs> Who buys land? But I mean, what if you buy swamp land? Here's the other one. You thought that was bad. I have brought five yoke of oxen and I'm about to go test them. <laughs> you must have bought it via email because them oxen may be dead. <laughs> Who does that? Who does that? Here's the other one. You think those two were bad. I have just married a wife and I cannot come. That man began the tradition we know as handpicked. <laughs> and ever since then, guys, you know the rest. Uh, here it is, here it is. Here's the meat of it. Since they won't come, the master said, since they won't come, I've invited them. Go find, go to streets, go to corners, go to shops, go everywhere and tell everybody that you can. Come, the food is ready, the table's spread, the robes are there, the servants are ready, the, 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 the place where their feet are washed before they have dinner. Tell them to come. And the servants did that, brought everybody they could into the banquet room and then there was still room there. He said, go again, get them all he can. And he went, got all he could. But here's the key. Nobody that's been invited that didn't come will ever get another chance. And I'm saying that to tell you that Jesus, our Savior, has prepared a banquet table. And he said that this whole world of seven billion people, whosoever will, let him come. I've died, I've paid the price, I went in the tomb, I rose again, I've ascended to heaven, and whosoever will come, saith the Lord. The call, put it on the screen, the call is a clear call. The call is a concerned call. And the call is a Christ call. I'm going to try to wrap this up. And you've heard me preach before. You know I don't wrap nothing up. Uh, look, look here. Uh, clear call. How much more plain can Jesus be? How much more plain can he, can he be? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, whosoever, that's the call. Whosoever believeth in him shall perish. The man on the road where the bridge is out and the flags are being waved, making the call, don't come any further. The devil says, go. He'll be okay. He says, don't. I'm calling you. Don't. Here, it's a concerned call. Jesus didn't die because somebody needed to make a movie. He died. It's a Christ call. Who can you respond to any more powerfully than Jesus? Somebody say amen. Let, let, let me do a couple more things here. Are you all okay? I, I want to say to you, don't, don't answer the wrong call. There's a Hollywood call you need to, you need to stay far away from. Because most of that call is perverse. Okay? Uh, they're shacking up and messing up and, uh, and sucking it up and snorting it up. You all tell them I said that. You don't answer the wrong call. You don't answer the politically correct call because if you answer the politically correct call, we'll be 
easy about receiving this abortion nonsense where you can kill a baby anytime you want to, even right before that child is born. God help America. Somebody's got to raise up a standard. Somebody's got to cry out. Somebody has got to quit closing their eyes and stopping up their ears and say, God, you can depend on me. If none of these things bother you, you headed off the bridge. Uh, all right, let me go. Here's, here's a fourth point. When you, when you live in this no, uh, no ordinary time, you've got to prepare to be criticized. If you're a child of God, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you let people know that, and they criticize you, let it go. Did you, you hear what I said? You are not here to be a man or woman pleaser. You're here to testify who you belong to and whose you are. Let me quickly give you this verse here in 1 Peter 3.14. says this, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Did anybody get that? Don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Look at 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4. Everybody with me? Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. Are they here? Walking according to their own what? Lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. We have a generation now, some even in the church, who say to us, well, all my life I've heard about the preaching of Jesus coming back again. I heard about the rapture. I heard about the tribulation. I heard about the, the, the prophets. And I heard about the bowls and the vials and the trumpets. And I've been around so long, it ain't happened yet, and it ain't going to happen. Jesus is not going to come on your time clock or my time clock or your calendar. When he gets ready, you just need to be ready. Somebody praise the Lord. Oh, where is the promise of his coming? Let me show you another thing you need to do in these, in these not so uh, come if you will wherever you are, Micah. I'm teasing. Chaos. Look, look at this. In these no, not so ordinary times, you can expect, expect chaos. The Bible says before Jesus comes, the world will be chaotic. In the scripture in Luke 21 and 26, hear the word of the Lord. Men's hearts failing them for fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Look at another verse I think will be helpful to me and to you. Look at Revelations 3 and 10. I love this part. I don't have to be afraid of the chaos. Neither do you. Because you've kept my commands to persevere. Stay the course. Because you've kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. There's a kind of thinking out there about uh, before Jesus comes and the, the day of chaos, uh, uh, Pre-trib means, pre-tribulation means that we believe that Jesus is going to come before the tribulation 
and we're going to be caught up to heaven and the tribulation will begin like the flagman will be removed and folks will plunge into their death. Then there are those who believe that the church will go through a portion of the tribulation, judgment upon judgment, hell upon hell, hornets and, and, and lions and wild animals and, and storms and famines and perils and earthquakes. Some of that we're going to have to go through. Then we go to heaven. That's mid. Then there are those who believe in post-trib. We Christians, everybody have to go through the tribulation completely. Seven years of a hell on earth. Chaos. Then we're going to be raptured. Well, we in our persuasion, in our denomination, we believe in pre-trib. What's in the Bible, but secondly... If we had a vote, I don't want to go through the others. We already live in hell on earth. Well, you, you think I want to pay a little extra so I could stay here with you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me tell you this. This Bible says, I will keep you from the hour of trial. One more thought, please. If you'll skip whatever I have, then take me to the last thought, my brother. In these days of no ordinary time. Watch for his coming. I said watch for his coming. And there, let me give you something. Matthew 24, 36. Watch for his coming. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Right? Not even the angels of heaven. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> but my father only. Look at this, see if it's not today. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I've got scriptures and all about the Holy This is why I need to stop because I've gone too long and this is where the Spirit will have me stop. There'll be signs in the moon, the sun, the stars. There'll be wars and conflicts of nations. There'll be earthquakes and famines. I alluded to that at the moment. One day it won't be no more flag. Because when the tribulation comes and the Holy Spirit's lifted, conviction's gone. You had to get saved by way of the mark of the beast. You don't even want to go there. In these not so ordinary times, be sure you see the flag. And you turn around. And you say, I'm not going that way. There's a better way. Bow, please. You know, brothers and sisters, thank you for the way that you have responded to the word. Some of it has been strong. But I'd rather have a little strong medicine if it's going to help me than something that's watered down and won't last. I perceive tonight that some of you are going through no ordinary time. And I'm talking about your health, your marriage. I'm talking about your children, your job, your mental capacity, having gone through a recent divorce or one's pending, someone you loved has just passed away, someone you love is awaiting their day of departure because the doctors have done all they could. Whatever your no ordinary time is, 
God has an extraordinary blessing for you. When you go through your no, no ordinary time, God got something beyond ordinary because you're not serving an ordinary God. He has an extraordinary healing for you and a miracle for you. Without explaining it anymore, you say, Pastor Allen, I'm one of those. Either I need him, I need to get off that road where the bridge is destroyed and the floods are taking the road. I need to get that off of that. Or I'm going through a time that's not ordinary for me and I, it has me struggling. Raise up your hands if that's you. That's all I'm going to ask you is raise your hands. I want to ask you to stand up. Hold up a little higher. Oh yeah, yeah. This is, this is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now you may, uh, you may put them down. And as our pastor leads us in a moment, right now I'd like you to uh, put your hand on your heart. He has us do. And I want you to repeat after me loud enough for the devil to hear it and make him mad. Okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Lord Jesus, thank you for the flags in front of the washed out bridge. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me in those times of which I could not make any sense. You know where I am. You know my name. You know my struggles. You know my fears. And having known them, Lord, take them and deal with them through the blood of the Son of God. Surround me. Be my shield. Be my sword. Be the one who guards me on the rear and on the front. Help me, Lord Jesus, to stay the course, to keep the convictions, to respond to the call, to do not fear the chaos and look for your coming. I want to be ready, but until then, let me shine as a bright light in a not so ordinary world. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord the praise.